How many join the Jonah uh, story? How many Jonas are in here? Now, last week was one of them high-end notes. You know, the, the country, the nation of Nineveh repented, and God just blessed them and saved them and didn't kill them. And you figure that'd be the end of the story. And if we go, we just ride on up in the sunset. But he got chapter 4 of Jonah. And kind of chapter 4 messes up a good story. When Jonah, how Jonah responds to God's kindness and love and his compassion to the people of Nineveh. So we're going to start reading. We're going to go from Jonah 3, 10 through 4, 1 through 11. And look at the events that transpire after God showed his compassion and mercy to a nation who didn't deserve it, just like us. And got it anyway. Let's look at Jonah's response to that. And I want to just unpack a couple things when we go through this together. Can we do that for our next few minutes? Let's go ahead. Verses 3 through um, 310 in Jonah. I have to start the end to tell you why he was, uh, he was uh, doing what he was doing. He said, when God saw what he did, they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. But, everyone said but. It did, it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, this is not what I said when I said it, when I was yet in my country. That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore, Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, I love the question, do you do, you, do, you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city, took his toys, and sat at the east of the city and made a booth for himself. There he sat under the, other, in the tree, in a chat, and he sat under it in the shade until he could see that would become of the city. Now the Lord appointed a plant. Everyone said appointed. And made it cover Jonah. I love his, his mercy. That it, may shake, uh, that it may be shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when the dawn came and the next day, God appointed, and once appointed, a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed, and once appointed, a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry with the plant? He said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did, nor did you make it grow, which came from being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 people? Now, when I said you see this, these numbers here? It's actually with 600,000 people in the city, but God is naming how many children are in the city. 120,000 kids. Persons who do not know their right hand from their left. And also, if you don't like the people, at least save the cattle. <laughs> now you see here, God relented from destroying Nineveh. And we see the real attitude of Jonah. As we we're going through the story, Jonah really, in chapter 2, never really repented. He just cried out to God because he needed help. And God saved him. But he had an attitude about it. 
And one thing about it, this story, this sermon is called is, how is your heart? How is your heart? See, the heart of every problem is a problem of the heart. There's a great quote by Pastor Brian Taylor from Cincinnati. He says, doing God's work minus God's heart equals epic fail. Because the reason this story, this chapter 4 exists, we got to understand one thing. The people you cannot stand are the very people that God loves. How's your heart? The very people that you cannot stand is the ones that God loves. Because remember, we, it was no by accident that Jonah did not like these people. And he made it known. He already knew what God was going to do. It's amazing. Jonah's problem came from two things that we all battle with. As a pastor, all of us battle with it. Pride and priorities. Pride and priorities. Because when we look at people, we kind of forget that we have a past and they have a future. Because we look so much at them and where they are. But we forget where we were and what God has done for us. See, Jonah kind of forgot that he disobeyed God. Remember that? God said, go 500 miles. He went 2,500 miles the other way. He ran faster than Mayweather. <laughs> Got to let you know. Don't put that in the tape. He might sue me. Then disobeyed God. Got thrown overboard. Asked to die. God sent a fish to save him. He prayed in the fish, a very eloquent prayer. He was in trouble. Now he's in a great spot, and he's praying the most ugly prayer you can imagine. Because remember, the people you can't stand are the very people that God loves. When we talk about pride, it's a statement here. We'll either see through the lens of our pride or through the lens of God's love. See, Jonah was angry, not because of what God did something he didn't expect. He was angry because God did what he, he expected. It's interesting when you look at the story, God turned from anger to mercy. And then you see Jonah turned to anger because of God's mercy. Remember that, the lens of our pride or the lens of God's love. Let's look at one through five. It says this, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, this is not what I said when I was yet in my country. That is why I made haste to flee from Tarshish. For I knew that you are gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, bounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Therefore now, Lord, please take my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? And Jonah went out of the city to the east of the city, made a booth for himself there, and he sat underneath the shade until he should see what would become of the city. He was thinking God's going to relent. These guys are going to, he's not going to take this repentance. He's going to have a, a, a grand view of the destruction of Nineveh. And you ever see a pouting Christian? Get, take their toys and go home because they got angry? Because God didn't do what they wanted them to do. 
I'll show them. I'll just stay home. That's good. You're not hurting them. You're not hurting God. He ran off. That's what pride does. You get angry because you don't get your way. And you forget the same mercy that he extended to you. He extended to them. But they weren't worthy to him. They weren't worthy enough to receive it. We call that religious pride. Because he couldn't rationalize why he, the nation, deserved grace. Remember the sailors? They got grace. Remember the whole town of Nineveh? They got grace. And they, they responded correctly. And look at him. Jonah had received, how about this? Sometimes we receive grace, but it's hard for us to give grace. You ever been there? You receive the very grace from God, and then you look at other people and don't give them grace. Like you have arrived, been born a whole two years. Come on, somebody. Because the people you can't stand is the one God loves the most. You heard this prayer. You probably heard this before. God, why did you change the borders? Why did you change the naturalization laws? People coming in all over, over the borders in Texas. Maybe an opportunity to receive Jesus. Now, you should have seen me. I was upset too. And God changed my heart. Because he calls us to love. Is it easy? No. That's why he sent his son <laughs> to show us the way. Amen. One thing about pride that I notice, I'm talking about me now, I'm talking about y'all because y'all are perfect. It compares oneself to others. You know where you are? Like the prodigal son, older brother. Younger brother comes back, tore up everything. Older brother's been there the whole time. Dad throws this nice party for him, and the older brother comes out. What are you doing, Dad? This, and he said, your son. He didn't even say my brother. Your son did, 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 and you know, and I've been here the whole time, and you have never given me a party. And he said, son, you've been here. Everything I have is yours. He has nothing. You mean I can't extend grace to him because it's not contingent on how he responds to me. It's how I respond to him. Prodigal son, that was in Luke 15, 28. He was upset because his father extended grace to his brother because he hated his brother because when his brother left, he cut him off, said, hey, I'm here, and now you got to work your way back up here. But same thing like it says in the Bible, the last will be first. Those can go all the way to the very end and see the same glory you do. Not fair. It's not, it's not fair. It's grace. How's your heart? How's your heart? We all have to check it every day. Am I loving or am I criticizing? Am I judging people on what I would do? Just talking about me now. Because I've arrived. One thing I learned when I got appointed four years ago, being a man and, and working in organizations and leadership and all that, one of the guys told me, he said, you military guys don't do well to transition into ministry because you guys are rough because you expect excellence and you expect it now. If not, you're fired. 
And you think you have, I'm going to be honest with you, you think you have a sense of love for people. And you lay out plans. Remember we said this in chapter 2. It's great to have plans, but when you have people in it, the plan is going to get a little shook up. And you're moving forward, and you think you have, and then God starts to work and make you a pastor. Because the first couple of weeks, I slept good at night. I didn't worry about anything. As long as we was good here, and y'all put up with my uh, terrible preaching, I was good to go. And then I started crying for people in the street. And I'm like, why am I crying for these people? Why am I crying? And I was, talking, I was making a joke yesterday. Every time America, America comes on at the air show, all the, we start crying. <laughs> you know, Thunderbirds are flying around, America, America, and we're all crying and stuff. And that happened to me constantly. Because God was developing a, my pride, and he was developing a love for people. Here's my, here's my take on life. I want his, and this is in my, my leadership, I want everyone to win. I want everyone to make it. Everybody. I don't care how far it is. And it puts me in trouble sometimes. But I want everyone, to, and that's been my thing, I want everyone to do well. I want everyone to know Jesus Christ is to the full and the mass. I want them to have a full life in Jesus. And that developed over me. See, when I was putting this stuff, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was Jonah. Yeah, I would do stuff. I would do ministry. Hopefully I get a good work, good job. And what happens is after about year three, that's not coming anymore. And I talked to a couple. He said, you know what happened, Rich? You were trying to feed off where you lead. You can't do that. Your only person that you're um, serving is God himself. But how's your heart, man? Do you love people? Or do you love the concept of it? And it develops. And Ms. Don will tell you, it develops. It doesn't start off right away. Talk to ministers all the time. Say, man, I can feel this weight. You know that was the weight of love where you want people to make it. You want them to do very well. You want families to thrive. You want the kids to do great things. And you just, ah! But you don't start off that way. Because he always more, he cares more about your character than your performance. See, the more I become more like Christ, the more I'll be more effective. And that's what Jonah never got that. That's when he did with pride. He got received grace. Well, you know you've been forgiven much? Man, you give, you forgive much. And he took off, and you see him pouting in the pity party. I'll just stay home. No one cares. Get over yourself. It's not about you. It really isn't. I love the book, um, Purpose Driven Life. Now, Rick Warren says it. No one gets offended. It's not about you. We say it. Everyone gets offended. So I'm going to beam him in next time. He's going to say, it's not about you. And y'all going to laugh. This is Rick Warren. (laughs) (laughs) He's got that grace. That's what pride does. It compares us to others. But God will, you stay in the pipeline, he will develop that love in you. 
Because that's when the money runs out. That's when the, that's when the, the um, influence, or you perceived influence runs out. That's when you're not famous. And you're praying for people you don't even know. And you, and you, you go by here and you read the newspaper and you're crying because of the newspaper. The same way Jesus cried over Jerusalem. You don't even know you're casting me out, guys. But he didn't throw them out. He told them what was going to happen. Because when you walk in pride, there's another thing that happens to you. You kind of lose, we lose our wrong sense of priorities. Let's go to 6 to 11. It says this. Now the Lord appointed a plant and made it come over Jonah, that it might be shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad. That's the first time you heard about being glad because he was getting something. Come on, somebody. He was exceedingly glad that he received it because of the plant. But when the dawn came, the next day, everyone said, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that it was faint. he was faint. And he asked him he might die and said, it's better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, you, do you do well to be angry with, for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry enough to die. He cared more about the plant than people because it was personal to him. It was all about him. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you do not labor, nor did it make it grow, which came into being at night and perished. And should I not pity, pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, also much cattle. One thing about this, we must not lose, we must lose our sense. Uh, oneself. We must lose our wrong sense of priorities. One thing about Jonah, excuse me, I'm going to take this down. He was happy as soon as he, God was doing an object lesson. He saw him in distress, and God sent mercy, and the plant they call was a, a, believe it or not, a castor oil plant. If you took castor oil growing up, you were hoping that plant died. <laughs> and it covered him up. It was a vine that came up. And he was extending his mercy to him. Because God, remember I said last, last week, he's always looking to extend his mercy and grace to others. That's how the whole story connects. And he was excited because he got something. But not one thing about him. He was excited because of his own comfort. You know, Christianity, as long as we get what we want and we're comfortable, we're excited for God. But he wasn't excited or compassionate about who God was compassionate about, God's people. See, God is compassionate about people. You can tell the difference if if you're in that area that you celebrate more because you have a new car versus you celebrate when two people give their life to Jesus. You'll find out exactly where you are real quick. If I got to have you say amen four or five times, that means you love the car versus the souls. And God takes us all through that process if we stay in it. And that's when you hear the writers say, oh, this, is not, this Christianity today in America is nothing but retail sales. Give me what I need and I'm out of here. It's not the case. No one teaches on this stuff. 
the responsibility. Everyone wants the res- relationship, but not the responsibility of that relationship. If you hand, let your hand and let God put his hand on you, he'll give you that response. I can't. He'll give you that responsibility for your family. He'll give you that responsibility for your neighbor. He'll give you that responsibility for your, for your whole community. Because you'll realize I'm there on a, for a reason to pray for them when they can't pray for themselves. And God, you break my heart for the things that break your heart. See, Jonah didn't value the same thing God valued. And so when he took the plant away, he got angry at the plant. And God said, you didn't even create the plant. You have no control over the plant. See, we can't even get mad at our government because it says the king's heart is like water in God's hands. You didn't put them there. God did. Because we asked for it, so we got it. So we pray because nothing takes him by surprise. And the story ends with a question. Do you do well to be angry when these people are dying? You get well angry because you didn't get a car and a whole neighborhood is falling apart. See? You didn't get your way, so I'll go home, take my toys and run. You get angry at that when just some kids need you. What happens if we have children and we go home and, and our toys, we ruin them. Think about it. How's your heart? Because the folks that you hate, God loves. The ones you can't stand are the very people that God loves. mess me up. I have a lot of political opinions. Mess more. When I, I mean, we're good after chapter three. Yeah, I can stay where. No, I can't. God loves them too. God loves the ones that bug you all the time. The reason why he loves them so much because he put you near them to bug you until you love them. I told the class in here today, our mission class, you know, the will of God. So God's will is extension of his love. See, Jonah didn't get it that God's will was to extend God's love to Nineveh. It's not that somehow when we look at Christianity, because I told, don't look at it because God loves you so much, which he does. But he loves the people so much that he's in, you're hoping that he's in, you're in his will so you'll go touch those people with those gifts. Like I had took all the youth and gave them gift tests. And I told, and I got to talk to, I haven't talked to Josh yet. We, uh, five of them scored on musical vocals. Time to disciple them from high school to get on this stage. And the ones that scored high, you would say, oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's how God works. In Matthew 9, 36, everyone stand. How's your heart? One thing I I try to, I examine my life against Jesus, not against other people. 
And the Gospels, if you think you're doing well, just read the Gospels a few minutes and you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> this one rocks me. Now, when we see people off, getting cut off in traffic, families are falling apart, won't they get a job? Da 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 da. Jesus, who's in us, sees them this way. When I saw the crowd, he had what? For that because they were what? What's it in with? They don't know the left from the right. Sometimes we get in trouble trying to make um, lost people saved. They're supposed to know what they're They don't have a clue what they're doing. The first they're harassed. You ever been harassed? And then they're helpless because they have nothing to do. Why are, they, why are they helpless? Because they're what? Like a sheep without a what? Don't we have the shepherd? Do they? When I see them, oh, that's why they don't know what they're doing. Rich, does it do you well to be angry at them when they don't know what they're doing? Do you, do you, you, you're going to get judgmental because they don't, they don't even know what they're doing. This is how I see them. And if you, because you missed it, Romans 8, I think it's 30, 29. Don't quote me on this. God's job is to conform us into the image of Christ, not to give me a new car. Conforming hurts. And you know where he conforms you? Right here in the heart. Nothing, if I get in the head, that's where pride lies. I got it all together. You missed it. has to be in the heart. And when you look at scriptures like this, I have to repent. On a daily basis, I can walk in pride because I thought I have arrived. The story chapter started with a question. I'm going to end it with a question. And then we're going to pray. And you answer that question this week. One of our elders' wives said, on Sunday, they don't want to work in the restaurants because of our pride. Because we think the waitress and waiters are this low. And we come there, praise the Lord, how are you doing that? And give them pennies. See our heart? When we should open the door and, let, and give them an offering. Amen? Here's a question. Are there people in your life that God loves that you do not like? I'll help you out. I have to tell them myself anyway. How does your heart need to change to align with God's heart for them? As I said before, the heart of every problem is the problem of the heart. It's not about us. That's why chapter 3, we could have celebrated. Chapter 4, God said, let me, no, let me bring you to the ground. Man, I wish you didn't put chapter 4 in there. The people we can't stand are the very people God loves. Let's just close in prayer. And you talk to God on that. We're all guilty, guys. I'm guilty. (laughs) 
It's nothing worse preaching a sermon about yourself. And most of them are. That's why God uses me as a crash dummy. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you, God, that you touch us.